It is Wednesday, October 19th. I'm Scott Sutton. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The Yankees advance to the ALCS, and the Phillies take a 1-0 lead in the NLCS. And we tip off the NBA season. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. New York Yankees punched their ticket to the ALCS with a 5-1 win over Cleveland. The Philadelphia Phillies take a 1-0 lead in their NLCS, beating the Padres 2-0. And basketball gets underway. Excuse me. Basketball tips off officially. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? We'll start with the baseball postseason and those New York Yankees defeating the Guardians 5-1. Lots of people, AJ, very upset about Major League Baseball's decision to postpone this Game 5 But I guess you can't beat Mother Nature, can you? No, you can't. But this was not some sort of coup. This was not a Yankees decision. This is a Major League Baseball decision. I will say this, though. Listen, you know Major League Baseball's decision was it major league would be ba- aligned with a Yankees was it, decision? Was it Major League Baseball's fault that the Guardians are, had already checked out of their hotel? And thus, <laughs> when they went to check back into the hotel, the rooms were gone. Rooms were not oh, available. No. So they had to split the team up into different hotels. Uh, I heard uh, Savali was staying at a, a Motel 6. It was like <laughs> I don't know about that. Bed bugs. It's just they terrible. They did have to uh, split the team up. Josh anyway. Naylor stayed with his son, I heard. Because <laughs> the, the Yankees, whatever. Garrett uh, Cole's house? Yeah, he stayed at Garrett Cole's house. Which, by the way, Josh Naylor, who like made the big scene rocking the baby, hit 182. Uh, <laughs> so congratulations, Josh Naylor. Way, way to make a, a big scene and then stink it up. So anyway, the Guardians uh, were forced to stay in different hotels uh, because of the situation there. It just was not conducive for them. But what it helped out the, I'm talking about the rain delay, and we talked about this on yesterday's show, was the ability to use the bullpen. And I think that helped both teams. And the decision that the Yankees made to start Nestor Cortez worked out in their favor. Cortez now had an extra day of rest, so he was on three days rest. He was available instead of Jamison Tyone. Cortez rewarded the Yankees, went out there and threw five innings of one-run baseball. Terry Francona could have decided to go with Shane Bieber on three days rest. He could have decided to utilize his entire rested bullpen, but instead he went with Aaron Savale, and Savale got rocked. Three-run home run to Giancarlo Stanton in the bottom of the first inning. This dude got one out. He didn't even last an inning, AJ, and the game was over from there. It's not good. If you if you're if you your starter pitches a third of an inning, mm-hmm. usually that's not a good sign. Not he, he walked the first batter. What he hit Rizzo with a pitch. So you had two on. Um, oh no, he well he struck out Judge in between the hit by pitch, but he had two guys on. Stanton hits the home run. Then you had Donaldson uh, reach on an infield single. They took him out, and then Aaron Judge in the second added a little insurance. The Yankees are up four nothing. And you never felt that the Guardians were in this game. 
And so the Yankees now advance to the ALCS where they will take on the rested and waiting Houston Astros this evening. So there is no rest for the Yankees. As soon as that game was over, hop on the plane, head to Houston, and prepare for this series against the best team in the American League. Yeah, well, and the best team left in the playoffs, at least from a record standpoint. So, uh, yeah, this is – I, I said whoever wins this series between the Guardians and the Yankees was going to be up against it because the Astros were – they had time. They were able to set up their rotation exactly how they wanted. They were able to basically line things up perfectly. And the Yankees-Guardians, it just wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. I will say that with the rested bullpen, the things you mentioned – that helps out, you know, it helps out the Yankees because they didn't have to they didn't have to put a bunch of innings on anybody, even Cortez. No, yep. Only five innings pitched and left with a healthy lead. So they probably felt comfortable through sixty one pitches. Uh well that's the thing. So if you look at the game, the Yankees were able to back up Nestor Cortez with Loisaga, Holmes, and Peralta. And that was great. Those are their top relievers. Going into this next game, the Yankees will be able to utilize, you know, it's probably not going to be Clay Holmes, but they're going to be able to utilize arms out of the bullpen that they did not use in yesterday's game. I think if the Yankees can get by Verlander, they might be set up for this series. And maybe game one's the game that they just chalk up because it's Verlander, Tyone. But because of the way that the rotation lines up, The Yankees will have pitching advantages in games three and four when it's Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez against the third and fourth starters for the Astros. You're saying, assuming they're just saying, well, we're probably not going to win game one. Like if you if you go into it with that philosophy, then you're right. Everything does line up for them beyond that. Like I think it's Tyone in game one and I think it's Severino in game two, Garrett Cole in game three and then Nestor Cortez game four. And then you, you know, progress from there on. Or maybe it's Garrett Cole in game two. Cole was actually, you know, he, he wouldn't throw unless they want to do it this way. He was actually up in the bullpen throwing yesterday. He was like, I, I want to throw. I'm okay. I'm okay to throw. And he well, was a lot of guys use that as like they'll they'll use a couple innings in the playoffs as their bullpen session for the for like it, it, during their time off. Yes. Could have been their throw session. But that's kind of like where um, where Garrett Cole was at. So Yankees play game one. Uh, coming up here today, game two will be on Thursday, and game three in the Bronx on Saturday, which it'll be Garrett Cole, and and you're lining up Garrett Cole to pitch games three and game seven, which I think is the best way to line up your rotation if you're the Yankees. Well, you tell me, how, what are, do, you, do you like the Yankees in this series? Do you like how they, they match up with the Astros? I like them at the plus money price of plus 150 for this series. Okay. I think that there's... Definite value with the Yankees, with the way that the rotation lines up, having the pitching advantages. The Astros will have the pitching advantages early here. They're going to have the advantage in game one for sure. That's why Justin Verlander is a, what is he, minus 180 tonight? Yeah. I think he has the advantage here. I think the Yankees will have the advantage in games three and game four and moving on. So I think the Yankees win this in six. That's what I'm going to call it. Okay. Yankees and in six. What's the series price? Plus 150. <sighs> I, listen, I, I think the Astros are – they've been a bad matchup for the Yankees. Uh, they, they've been sort of the uh, 
Josh Naylor's running around calling Garrett Cole mm-hmm, his son. Mm-hmm. Like the Yankees have been the Astros' son the last several seasons now, particularly Justin Verlanders, uh, who since he's joined the Astros, seven and two with a two point one one ERA. Yeah, and that seven and two is not his record. That's the win and loss between between the two teams. He's won seven of nine starts, but a two eleven ERA. Justin Verlander has has done wonders against his Yankees lineup. Well, I wouldn't. So actually, this is what I would do. I would not bet on the Yankees to win this game tonight. Then you should wait to bet the wait, series. Exactly. Wait till the Yankees lose game one. Get the north of plus 200 price on the Yankees to win the series after game one. That's where you take the value. Listen, I, I'm a baseball novice, but the entire time I was doing radio in Houston, not the entire time, certainly from 2017 on, uh, the Astros have just dominated this this series. So I, I think the Astros. They're good. They're good. I, I, I mean, I know everybody wants the Astros to lose every year, but it just feels like they are they, – they're soaking up that energy of everyone hating them and wanting them to fail, and it's just worked wonders for them. And it's amazing because this is – there's I think there's three guys left on this roster from the 2017 World Series team, Altuve – Bregman and Verlander, mm-hmm. and it's like nothing's changed. Like everybody's, everybody still treats them like they're all. It's a, it's a team of twenty five cheaters, and they just they soak up the energy. And it's uh, to me, that's a scary team to bet against. I'm, I'm very curious uh, if DJ LeMahieu is added to this roster uh, later today, and he is able to go for the Yankees. Will Araldis Chapman be added to the roster? Nope. It's been reported he will not be on the ALCS roster. So okay. there we have it is official. Uh, he's not going to be on the ALCS roster. That is uh, the report from um, reading from the New York Daily News. Araldis Chapman will not be on the ALCS roster. Here's my question about this game today. Justin Verlander is coming off his worst outing of the season. He gave up six earned runs in four innings against Seattle. In the six starts before that, he'd given up three earned runs total over six starts. Mm-hmm. Do you expect Justin Verlander to bounce back, or do you expect well, maybe Justin? Maybe listen, this is a guy who came up, he missed, he played one game in 2020, missed entire 2021 season. Uh, he's missed, a, he was on the IL at one point this season. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe? And he's an older guy. Is, he old, like, yeah. is it possible that fatigue set in? I mean, had you asked me that a week ago at the end of the regular season when he he basically hosed the Phillies, shut them down to nothing. I would have said, well, he looks pretty good. Yeah, I think a lot of that blow up against the Mariners was just familiarity. Seattle had seen him so many times this season that whether they picked up something with his release point or whatever it was, they were able to jump on him and jump on him early in counts. And I think that that familiarity helped them, whereas a team like the Yankees that saw him, well, they saw him one time this year, and yeah. I know they've seen him in the past, but I don't think that he's going to get blown up again against the Yankees. Now, if there's a team capable of doing it, it is the Yanks, but you got to believe that fatigue sets in for them. Um, but then again, what have we seen in this postseason? The teams that have the weights, the the layoffs, are the teams that are not having success. Yeah. The, the, the teams that were awaiting the wild card teams did not do well. Took the Yankees five games here to get by the Guardians. Uh, and so maybe if there's – maybe maybe the, the, the Astros' bats start off slow. They went 18 innings 
in their last game yep. against the Mariners with only scoring one run. So Yeah, it was a sweep, but they had to play four games. <laughs> yes, they did. Basically. Yeah. So maybe the Yankees' bats stay hot. Maybe Stanton and, and Judge put a couple out of the ballpark into the, the Crawford boxes there in left field, and the Yankees jump on Verlander early. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, DJ LeMahieu. In the one game that the Astros or Justin Verlander faced the Yankees this season, Astros won that game three to one. Five hits for the Yankees, two of them yeah. came from DJ LeMahieu. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton did hit a home run, a solo home run for the only run for the Yankees. Here's what's fascinating: Aaron Judge 0 for four in that game. Here's what's fascinating: total in this game tonight is six and a half, juiced to the over. And I, I got to imagine it's not because. You feel like Verlander's going to give up some runs. I'd, I'd, I'd venture that the Astros team total is higher than the Yankees team total. They're a minus 180 favorite yeah. over the Yankees. So to, 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 does the market believe that Tyone's going to give up three, four runs and, and that Verlander gives up two, three? Is the over the play? Is the over a contrarian play? With a guy like Verlander on the hill. The book says no. It's juice to the over. Here's what I'll say for J-Mo, who, by the way, is from the Woodlands, Texas, Houston suburbs. This is a big game to him. I mean, obviously, it's a big game. It's a playoff game, mm-hmm. an ALCS game. But this is him pitching in front of his family, his friends. Like, So this is a big game for him as well. I'd expect a, a real I, – I, to me, the under feels like the move here. I, I, see, I get what you're saying, that everyone's playing the over. It feels like that's the sharp side. I think this is a a grimy first to three wins type of game. First to three wins. That's interesting. So the the advice is then, if you like the Astros, bet them now. If you like the Yankees, wait until after game one. Wait, yeah. That's what I would do. Wait till after game one. If the Yankees somehow get game one, then if you still like the Yankees, bet them on a game-by-game basis. Yep. If if the Yankees lose game one, which I expect them to, then take them at the plus two. North of plus 200 price. I think that'd be a, to, to win yeah. this series. Let's take a look at game one of the NLCS that was played yesterday. And this was really a pitching duel. Uh, and, you, you know, you mentioned the Phillies. It's it's with their pitching, getting them at a, pl- a plus price is always going to be good value. Every time. Every time. And, and Zach Wheeler was phenomenal. Gives up one hit over seven innings. In fact, the the Phillies gave up one hit over the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And eight strikeouts, one walk for Wheeler. And what's funny is you Darvish was brilliant. Yeah. You you Darvish, he he also throws seven innings, two earned runs, seven strikeouts, one walk. The Phillies only get three hits. Two of them just happened to clear the wall. And one of them, one of them, one of them, Bryce Harper hit a, a really good pitch. Yeah, Bryce. Not many guys can turn the pitch that Bryce Harper hit into a home run. You Darvish made one big mistake tonight, and he got absolutely punished. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber absolutely murdered a baseball. Here's how it sounded on the Phillies radio network. Swung on his hit. Wow, deep to right field, Titanic shot into the second deck. Wow, the Phillies take a 2-0 lead. Kyle Schwarber signals to the bullpen as he gets to second base. That was as long a home run as you're going to see here at Petco Park. 488 feet, 120 mile per hour exit velo. 
the by second K- hardest hit home run ball in playoff history since they've been keeping stat track. By comparison, here was the call of that home run on the Padres radio network. Here's Schwarber, top of the order. Swings at the first pitch and hits it a mile to deep right field. Soto not going to move. That might find the upper deck. My goodness, it did. Kyle Schwarber just yanked one out to the upper deck in right field at Petco Park. I don't know that I've ever seen a ball land up there in a game before. Yeah, it doesn't happen. People <laughs> little, don't hit it to the second deck at Petco. Uh, a little, Barry Bonds, a little, less, a little less enthusiastic. <laughs> Barry Bonds, in, in his prime, in the in the '73 home run season, did not hit it to the upper deck in Petco. So that was a bomb, a missile from Kyle Schwarber, <laughs> and that was uh, really that pitch was was what separated Zach Wheeler and you Darvish. So a two-zero win for Philly. Um, you know, for the Padres, you, you hate to waste a pitching performance like that. Yeah, from Darvish because again, like we're we're laughing a little because someone hit hit the hit a ball like that. But again, he pitched really well and he's been brilliant this postseason. Zach Wheeler was just filthy tonight, though. He was untouchable. You know, I predicted Phillies to win this series in six, and I'm actually a little upset at that because uh, I think they win this series even sooner. Okay. Aaron Nola against Blake Snell tonight. Once again, you're giving me plus money. I'm going to keep taking it. Uh, Aaron Nola is a guy. I, I've mentioned the stats the the last time that we bet on Aaron Nola, but set a, a major league record this year, having the amount of strikeouts that he has had with the with the uh, the few amount of walks that he has had. Look at the line that Zach Wheeler had yesterday, and you mentioned it before, right? What was it? Eight strikeouts and only one walk. Yep. That's the type of performance you're going to get from Aaron Nola here. Uh, coming up against the Padres today. I don't think that both of these teams are being limited to uh, one hit and three hits, so I think we're going to get some more hits. But these are two pitchers that really don't give up a ton of runs. I think both these pitchers are going to be locked in. I I like the Phillies here at a plus-money price once again, though. i got to ask you something about the Phillies because I'm watching this game, and it gets to the ninth inning. And Like I said, it's just been a dominant performance. And... The Phillies in the, or excuse me, the Padres in the bottom of the inning going up against Alvarado. Mm-hmm. They get a walk, and then there's an error. And the big talk the error before this should have ended the the game. Yeah, the big talk before this series was the Phillies are a really bad defensive yes. team. Yes, like is there? It's and it didn't end up costing them because mm-hmm. Machado and Bell both go down right after. And by the way, Soto, Machado, and Bell, zero for eleven. Yeah. On the day. Well, uh, what happened on that specific play, and and Bryson Stott has elevated the Phillies defense. I also think that Edmundo Sosa is tremendous defensively. So if they decide to make any type of defensive switch, they would go to him uh, as well. But what happened on that specific play was that the Phillies were shifting for Soto. And so Stott was on the opposite side yeah. of the bag that he would normally be at as a shortstop. And so for him coming to the bag, it was kind of awkward. Alec Bohm probably should have taken a little bit more time in throwing to second, but they're still not turning two if he does take the time. I think he rushed the throw to try and turn two, and Stott wasn't at the back. So the throw was off. I thought everyone was just messed up on that play. What probably should have happened was take your time, let him get to the bag, get that force out at second. Now there's two outs and a runner on first. They were fortunate. Machado flies out. No harm, no foul. Next batter gets out and the game's over. Let's talk about the total uh, for tonight's game because if your name wasn't Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, or Will Myers, you had a zero in the hit column yeah. yesterday. Mm-hmm. 
you expect more? I mean, you mentioned Nola. We obviously Snell, former Cy Young winner. Do do you expect more offense, or is this the kind of series we're looking at? Here? I think this is the type of series that we're looking at in San Diego. I think once we get to Citizens Bank, a little bit more of a hitter friendly park. I think we're going to see the offense open up a little bit, especially as you progress through the, you know, once I guess Ranger Suarez should start game uh, game three, three, and then we'll see what the Phillies decide to do in game four. But that's probably the way that I see this series playing out. Low-scoring games in San Diego, a uh, little bit more offense in Philadelphia. Yeah, not a lot of base runners. Seven guys got – well, not even seven guys. Seven base runners total in game one. And it was a uh, it was a grind. I'm with you. I, I think game two, we could be have a similar type game. And whoever, whoever comes up with the big hit – that's probably who wins the game, and that's what it, that was the case in Game One. Who are we kidding? Let's just take the Phillies on the money line like we do every time. Uh, I think I've bet on the Phillies every game in the playoffs. Don't so get why greedy. Not? Don't get greedy. Plus one hundred five, plus one ten, wherever you get it, they're going to give you plus money. Just keep taking it. This sounds like a heady bet. The Yankees bet sounded like you were betting with your heart. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So the Phillies will look to go up two zero. Tonight in the NLCS, we've got AL and NL action coming your way. The NBA tipped off last night with two games. We've got a full slate coming your way today. The Philadelphia 76ers and Boston Celtics started off the night, and what a night it was for the Celtics. Our resident NBA expert, Mackenzie Rivers, the Sixers go down 117-126. Not the defensive showcase that the Celtics have won with, you know, the last couple of years. What was the difference in this game tonight? Clearly, the the big two for the Celtics had themselves a day. Yes, and it's going to be a theme of the season, I think. I mean, I was wrong. I had the Sixers, and I lost, so maybe I'm overreacting. But it seemed to me that transition in this year's NBA is going to be the name of the game. There's new rule where you can't just foul people because they're on a fast break. You're going to get a foul, a free free throw, and the ball back if you do that. So as soon as that happened, the game completely broke open. The Celtics outscored the Sixers 24-2 to in transition. It's like they realized they can't stop us if we're running because they can't foul us. And, uh, yeah, the speed of the, of the Celtics ended up being the difference in this game. And, uh, yep, I took one on the chin. So let's talk about that rule change. Is this something that we're going to – we need to make a major adjustment for for the rest of the season? Like our team's like, going to start running and pushing the ball the, more? The, the, the teams that are good at fast break, they become much more valuable now, right? Yes, I think so. I mean, this game was on a 208 pace. I already had the under. After the first eight minutes, it was on a 208 pace before they did the first take foul. After that, it was a 260-point pace. Flew over the total – and it was all one-sided. It was all the Celtics. So that was an in-game adjustment, you're saying, McKenzie, that after the take foul, there was an in-game adjustment uh, saying, let's push, let's push, let's yes. push. Yes, and Stan Van Gundy, give him credit, crawled out right away. He's like, wow, they're playing really fast. They're playing much faster, and the Sixers couldn't keep up. Let's talk about some teams. The teams that jump out to me is teams that have a lot of success on the break. Memphis, the yep. Lakers, the Warriors, the, the Bucks, those are teams that I think of as teams that get a lot in transition. Charlotte, I guess, last year got a lot in transition. The Raptors are another one. If you build your team around a strong defense, your offense just got better with this rule change, well, I think. Minnesota, then. The yep. new Minnesota Timberwolves with Gobert. My, that might be a, a real team to watch uh, from that standpoint. So what's the angle, then? Is it is it a point spread adjustment, or is it a total adjustment? 
I think we got to look at overs right now. We saw this in 2015, 2016, when they changed the rules, people started shooting threes. Went for, our average score in the NBA went from 200 to 220. The books took a minute to adjust, and you made a lot of money betting the overs. So this is just one game. This is just one game that we're you know basing this analysis on. But I'm looking at overs now. I wasn't yesterday. By the way, the bottom teams in transition points last year, the Hawks, the Mavericks, the Wizards. If you're looking for uh, for teams to to fade, uh, and uh, you know, I guess that makes some sense. But although Boston last year, 11.4 points per game in transition, mm-hmm. 20th in the league on fast fast break points, so not really a team you'd expect it to uh, to, to have so much. But Tatum and and uh, Brown were just elite tonight. This was this was the night for them. Absolutely, no Robert Williams. I thought it would be a problem for them. Blake Griffin looked all right. He looked, you know, like he got out of his mummy casket for a couple of minutes. <laughs> so so where that might you, be a good addition for them. Where do you have both of these teams power rated right now? I have the Celtics as my highest power rated team tied with the Warriors, same as it was with the finals. I didn't downgrade either team for that. Uh, the Sixers, I have a half point worse. I thought they would be moti- more motivated in this spot. Uh, I might have to downgrade them another half point, and I got to question their, uh, you know, motivation and team. Around. You don't got to sell me because I I have been accused of being a James Harden hater. Oh. He looked good. But he looked good tonight. That's been my career. I have <laughs> I have been so anti James Harden for years. I have bet against his teams countless times. I do not think he is a championship player, and uh, I will continue to fade any team that James Harden plays on. Here's what I'll say about James Harden, and I said this when I was in Houston, when James Harden was in the yearly discussion for best player in the NBA, despite being like the least fun player to watch in the NBA, I said no team with James Harden as their best player will ever win an NBA Mm -hmm. title. And I got – I mean, listen, I was in Houston, so I got a lot of heat for it. And I think I – no matter what happens, I think I'm right. Because even if the Sixers win this year, Joel Embiid's a better player at this point than James Harden. And if Joel Embiid gets hurt for some reason, not the Sixers aren't winning a title. Yep. So I, th- I think I'm, I'm going to take that bet to the window whenever James Harden officially retires. But, but when you were casting aspersions to James Harden, did you know that in years future, he would accept only $34 million as salary? And I mean, this man is giving. You've got you. You know you're onto something. Like this is this is he's turned over a new leaf. Right. He only cares about winning now. And thirty four million dollars. I'm just go, I'm just gonna keep. Go, I'm I'm gonna go back through my Twitter history and just recognize some tweets here. Uh, let's see. Uh, on the day that the uh, Nets acquired James Harden, Scott Seidenberg tweeted, "Can't wait to fade the Nets in the playoffs." <laughs> and you didn't even know AJ back then. You guys no, didn't even know each other. He says, uh, "Here we go." Uh, Scott Scott said one time, I've bet against the Rockets every postseason. James Harden is not a championship player. Uh, here we go. Here, here's, here's some more. James Harden is such an infuriating player to watch. Takes possessions off, leaving his team to play four on five. Takes bad shots, flops, yet gets 30-plus points, and people think he's an MVP. <laughs> for, for what it's worth, for this game, he looked a lot better than he did last year. 35 <laughs> points, 9 for 14 shooting. They were actually plus money or plus points when he was on the court. So, of all the days we can, you know, spend time to make fun of James Harden, this probably isn't the one. Although he probably was their best player. Although he was. He, uh, he he makes an incredible move on offense, fakes the defender out of his shoes, does a shimmy to kind of you know <laughs> stuff it in his face, and proceeds to throw up a brick from a wide open from a wide open three pointer. Yeah, not a good look. 
can't do that. Yeah, and Joel Embiid, six turnovers, not the best night for Joel Embiid. Minus 13 in the plus minus. That's never a good thing for your superstar player. But I, th- I think this boiled down to McKenzie, and you can correct me if, if you think differently. It felt like uh, the, the Sixers are going to need more out of guys like Harris and Maxie, like they need them to really be standouts. And both they both had some points tonight, but didn't do much else. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they scored 40 points combined. That's what they need from them. They need defense. They need. They didn't show up on defense. You mentioned the six turnovers from Embiid. That really got the Celtics break going. So I think Embiid was really at fault more than anybody today. Just didn't look at it defensively, missed some assignments, and then the turnovers killed him. And, like, and, and it's funny to say, like, at fault – I guess we could just credit the Celtics right. who, who played. <laughs> yeah. Like they've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who both just played phenomenal games out of their mind. Jason Tatum, particularly, a guy who last we saw him mm-hmm. looked like, oh my gosh, this is the guy we're talking about as a top ten NBA player right now. This guy, and sure enough, yesterday he looked like a top ten NBA player, no doubt. And yesterday. Anybody who talked about trading Jalen Brown in the offseason looked like a dope because Jalen Brown was phenomenal once again for the Celtics. Best wing duo in the NBA still. They proved. And in the nightcap, the Golden State Warriors take out the L.A. Lakers 123-109. to And the final score maybe even a little closer than the game was as the Lakers uh, put up some some garbage time points, 38 points in the fourth quarter. McKenzie, what was the key factor in this game for the Warriors? They just had more firepower. And it's not that the Lakers don't have a lot of firepower. They don't have a lot of firepower that connects together. Very few assists between LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook together. On the other hand, we've seen it for years, the big three, plus Jordan Poole, the pool party. Uh, great chemistry, whole game, lots of shots. That's what that was the result. I'll tell you this: if you had told me coming into this game that Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole would combine to go eight of twenty-eight from three, I would have felt pretty good about the 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 Lakers' chances to hang in this thing. But they were absolutely dreadful from three themselves. Uh, Ten of forty from behind the arc. LeBron three of ten. Anthony Davis over three, Russell Westbrook one for three, Pat Beverly one for five. Just could not get anything to go from long range. And in today's NBA, if you can't make those shots, you're not going to win very often. 25% not going to get it done. So the Warriors start off their uh, campaign to repeat, defend their titles with a win, 123-109 at home over the Lakers. Mackenzie, how would you look to play the Lakers moving forward? Like, is this a, is this a team that we're, we're going to continue to fade? Are we looking at overs in Lakers games because of their defense? How do you attack the Lakers? Well, if you're optimistic about the Lakers, you'll say, okay, they were in a bad spot. Defending champions are now 8-3 and three, ATS, 11-1 and one straight up. Usually, ring ceremonies end with the ring team doing well. Going forward, I think I got to see Westbrook in a new role. I mean, it didn't work in the first half. It didn't work in the second half. I'm not sure if it's off the bench or off the ball or just doing something differently. But like I said, the chemistry, it's just, it's like a broken record player every time you see them on the court together. Yeah, well, I also think the Lakers, they don't have shooters. And LeBron James is such an elite passer that he needs shooters around him, McKenzie. And, yeah, and, that's a great point. And one of the best stats, you're talking about how the Warriors didn't shoot great from three, but they still won. Getting good threes up is one of the best indicators going forward. The Lakers went 10 for 40 
watching the game, they didn't get 40 good threes. They got, you know, maybe five. They got yeah. a lot of bad threes. And that that is a bad sign going forward. With the uh, the stat you just talked about, like the transition thing you talked about with the, the Sixers-Celtics game, the Lakers, though, LeBron, 14 rebounds, which you, you gave out his over uh, to your clients you. on, on the LeBron rebound total. And that cruises. He has 14 rebounds, eight assists. That's a recipe for transition points. So you would think the Lakers – and and listen, this isn't a 109 points against one of the best defenses in the league isn't a bad thing necessarily. But you, would you be more bullish about the Lakers' offense with this rule change? Yeah, it's a great point. They actually outscored the Warriors by 10 points in fast breaks. That's not something the Warriors generally fall behind in. So that's on the one hand, that's optimistic because they're going to have a lot more fast break opportunities. But that shows how bad their half court offense was as well. The Golden State Warriors off until Friday when they play the Nuggets. The Lakers will be up against the Clippers on Thursday. That'll be a TNT game, so everybody will be able to watch that. Uh, but, yeah, that's the, uh, the the Lakers go to 0-1, the Warriors 1-0 on the young season. Well, we have a full slate of NBA games coming up here this evening, so let's set the stage with an NBA look ahead. The Magic visit the Pistons, Detroit three and a half point favorites with a total of 217. Yeah, money coming in on Orlando. I don't understand it. I don't think Paolo Bencaro is going to help them this year. He's going to take the reins on offense, but he's going to improve, you know, years to come. Rookies rarely are plus or positive value in the NBA. The Wizards visit the Pacers, Washington two point favorites, total of 228. I like their team. I think Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis are two underrated superstars. Rockets visit the Hawks, Atlanta a 10 point favorite total 233 here we get to see the backcourt in action the experiment the best offensive point guard maybe in trey young best defensive point guard in dejounte murray i think it's going to work more than the market thing pelicans visit the nets brooklyn laying three total 230 and a half zion williamson makes his return fireworks i'm expecting bulls visit the heat miami laying six and a half with a total of 216 the heat were a top five defensive team they lost one of the best defensive players in the NBA and P.J. Tucker, I feel like once Butler or Adam Bio, when, not if, they go down, they're going to have really struggled defensively. And that, we'll see how that goes for them. The Cavaliers visit the Raptors. Toronto laying two and a half with a total of 214 and a half. I bet the Cavs plus four. I don't understand this line still. This is saying the Raptors are a better team than the Cavaliers. The Raptors were a better team or as equal team last year. Cavs added Donovan Mitchell. I feel like they're clearly a better team. This should be a pick in my mind. The Knicks visit the Grizzlies. Memphis, five-and-a-half-point favorites. Total, 226. Talked about defense and transition. No team encapsulates that better than the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm surprised that this is only five-and-a-half. I like the Grizzlies to roll. Thunder at the Timberwolves. Minnesota laying ten-and-a-half against OKC. Total, 227. Local Minnesota beat reporter said this is the most excited the Minnesota fan base has ever been for their team. They should be. They have top three. They have three top twenty-five players in the NBA. The Hornets are at the Spurs. Charlotte laying a point and a half total, two twenty-six. Hornets are favored here. They're still favored. I don't understand it. Lamelo Ball is not going to be there. They got another player arrested over the weekend. I would look Spurs or pass. I would look other team besides the Hornets or pass in every matchup. <laughs> Nuggets visit the Jazz. Denver eight-point road favorites total two twenty-one. AJ Hoffman asked me to look this up back uh, in the straight out of Vegas. Regular days, Fox Sports Radio days. The Jazz have made the playoffs 32 out of the last 38 playoffs. The most successful team in the NBA outside of San Antonio. Finally, they're tanking. Finally, they're blowing it up. <laughs> it's about time. The Mavericks visit the Suns. Phoenix laying five, total 216 and a half. 
teams off playoff revenge in the regular season do extremely well, I like the Suns here. I'm thinking the Suns minus four and a half has great value. And the Blazers visit the Kings. Sacramento, two-point favorites, total of 226. This line says there are even teams. Uh, the Blazers were the worst ATS margin team we've ever seen. They get their guy Damian Lillard back, but I am skeptical that they're going to turn it around right away. And that is your NBA look ahead for Wednesday night, the opening night for many of these teams, the rest of the NBA tip-off, excuse me, night in the NBA. Thank you, McKenzie. Thank you. Just three games on the ice tonight. The Flyers visit the Panthers. Florida minus 320 with a total of six and a half. You like how I always pause and extend the spread when it's an extremely high spread? Like I, I did it with Toronto the other night. When oh, I do like that, actually. 50. Yeah. So we it's have, dramatic. Yeah, we have the Panthers 320. Flyers are undefeated, but it's the second night of a back-to-back for the Flyers. The Jets visit the Avalanche, Colorado minus 235 with a total of six and a half. And the Blues are at the Kraken. Unleash the Kraken. St. Louis minus 145 total of six and a half. Is it unleash or release the Kraken? I don't know. I think it's release the Kraken. Release the Kraken? I believe so. Unleash the Kraken? Let's look up this terminology here. Okay. I want to, uh, I think, yeah, it's release the Kraken. Release the Kraken. Yeah, release okay. the Kraken. Like we're going to, we're going to, because it's, it's being kept captive until it was time to use him. Well, yeah. He's and now be, it's like, he, release he, the Kraken. He's being kept in, in a leash. Yeah. So now they have to unleash him. Listen, if we're going, we want to be historically accurate. And in Clash of the Titans, I'm pretty sure it's released release the Kraken. Yeah. I don't know. I Googled both. And I got hits for both. So is some this people like, are getting it, it wrong and so is Googling this like, about is it. Is this like a Mandela effect thing? I think it is. Where some of us remember it saying unleash the Kraken, but it's really release the Kraken? Let's play the movie clip and find out. I like it. Release the Kraken. I hate to be right all the time, but I just am. I've learned this from RJ, I think. It's a gift and a curse. <laughs> it really is. It's so it's so painful, but I, I, I believe that it's just true. And some housekeeping uh, in the NHL. Favorites this year lead 35-19 with one game as a pick'em. Uh, and overs are 30-24-1 on the year. Favorites of minus 200 or more, AJ, are 14-5. and five. And favorites against teams playing on the second night of a back-to-back are 10 and 3 on the season. One game in college football tonight, Georgia State at App State, some Sun Belt East Fun Belt action. And I'm gonna go with over 58 and a half in this one. And Appalachian State, let's face it, defense not good. They gave up 36 points to Texas State. Yeah. That's not good. The two, remember earlier this season, they played that 63-61 game with North Carolina. This mm-hmm. is a team that doesn't value defense. Their defensive metrics, though, kind of bolstered a little bit by two data points. One against the Citadel, an, uh, an FBS or an FCS school who they beat 49-0. The other, the win over Texas A&M, 17-14. We all know A&M's offense is broken, and that win not looking nearly as good as it did early in the season. Georgia State, on the other hand, 
their offense has been strong. Their defense was bad early in the season. Still hasn't been great. They gave up 33 last week to Georgia Southern, although they got a win. 2-0 after starting 0-4. This is a team that can score, score, score. Darren Granger has turned into a force at quarterback. I think both these teams get some offense on the board. I like the over in this game. That number set at 58.5. Should be a beautiful fall evening in Boone, North Carolina. And for more college football talk, you can listen to the College Football Dream Preview Podcast. It is available on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview Podcast feed. A.J. and I went through our contest selections or our hopeful contest selections for this week's college football action. So go ahead and download that. Give a listen. And speaking of the R.J. Bell's Dream Preview Podcast feed, we'll have the NFL pod up tomorrow. So that'll be exciting stuff. Or maybe later on tonight it should be up. And we will simulcast straight out of Vegas a.m., on the R.J. Bell Dream Preview podcast feed for Monday mornings and Friday mornings. But if you want to listen to us every single day, which you are listening to us right now, you do so on the Straight Out of Vegas AM podcast feed. Just search Straight Out of Vegas AM wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you are listening to it without subscribing, well, just hit that like or subscribe, follow button. Make sure you get all the new episodes downloaded directly to your mobile device. Head to pregame.com where you can jump on board for a number of season subscription packages like McKenzie Rivers NBA package or how about this? A free chance to win $1,000. How do you do that, AJ? Well, it's simple. You can enter the Beat McKenzie Rivers NBA oh. contest. McKenzie, what'd you go last year? 56%? 57%. Ah, I always get that wrong. <laughs> For the Beat McKenzie Rivers NBA contest, the contestant who earns the most NBA units will win $500 cash. And if that winner earns more units than McKenzie did last year when he was plus 64 units, the winner of the contest will get an additional $500. That's $1,000 cash and it's free to enter. Just go to pregame.com, click on contests, and find the McKenzie Rivers NBA contest. Don't wait. The NBA action is rolling along. Join today for free for your chance to win $1,000 cash. And for any subscription package that you want, whether it's AJ's UFC package, we got a great card coming up this weekend, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Incredible card coming up this weekend. Uh, my NHL package, we're off to an 11-2 and two start. Should be 13-0. and 0, but I'm he's, very he's upset. <laughs> it should be 13-0. A couple of bad beats here. But 11-2 and two early on here in the NHL season, we're going to give you 20% off. Listeners, for this podcast only, get 20% off anything at pregame.com. Use the promo code NEW20. That's N-E-W-20. You get 20% off anything at pregame.com. For A.J. Hoffman and Mackenzie Rivers, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great Wednesday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow right here, straight out of Vegas AM.